0: In 2019, at six months pregnant, we lost our second baby to an undetected external infection and what followed took us down a path we could never have predicted. I was used to getting pregnant quickly and unassisted. The infertility journey came as a surprise. No one talked to me about getting my ovarian reserve tested. No one told me that because I got pregnant easily with my first and my second, it didn't mean that I could expect the same with my third or fourth for that matter. I thought IUIs were a for sure thing. I thought IVF was a one month process, and that's just the physical part. All these assumptions were incorrect, but why would I know any better? I'm Emily Goetz, a certified fertility coach, neuro linguistic programming practitioner, mindset coach, podcaster, advocate, fellow fertility patient, and founder of Day One Fertility a first-of-its-kind multi-level support network that provides fertility patients with coaching, resources, community, and mindset strategies. On the day one podcast, I share my story and bring together moms, dads, parents-to-be, doctors, specialists, and healers to help break stigmas, normalize the conversation, and bring education to the forefront. Now, let's get into it. First Response has played a major role in my fertility journey over the past seven years as I work to grow my family. When I see a result using First Response, I know that I can trust it, which is imperative in this journey. So you can imagine how excited I am that First Response is sponsoring this episode. First Response is a brand that is there for us no matter what our fertility journey looks like. From pre-seeding, testing with 99% accuracy, and prenatal multivitamins, I can say with confidence that First Response is a trusted partner every step of the way. Hi, CJ. Welcome to the Day One Podcast. Thank you. I um, am pumped for this conversation today because... um, Typically, sometimes we have experts on, you know, the doctors and naturopaths and people that are like so prevalent in our journeys, and they come on and we get to really dive into their specific perspective in that genre. But what makes our conversation really unique today is that we I've never spoken about this before as a modality in the fertility world, and um, I know how impactful this work has been for you. And so... It always gets me, my juices flowing when we have guests like you come on and kind of open up our minds in terms of new ways that we can support ourselves throughout the journey. So I feel like I've just been talking, like beating around the bush, like I need to get into it. Talk to us about who you are, what you do, and we can then kind of go into your own even fertility story and and get the ball rolling in terms of it all. Sure, you bet. Thank you.
1: Um, yeah, so I'm CJ, and I um, am a mindset coach, but I also am a nervous system uh, expert. So I uh, study a system called Neurosomatic Intelligence, which works with applied neurology and studies the link between our brain and our nervous system. And what's interesting about our nervous system is it's, it's obviously very complex, But if you're going to boil it down and make it really simple, it's an input-output-based system. So it's receiving all these inputs from just our environment, our behaviors, like our, our specific wiring within the nervous system, what are we sensitive to or not. It's receiving all of this, like literally like 400 billion pieces of input per second we are exposed to. And our brain and our nervous system cannot... Come anywhere near absorbing that amount of information that we are exposed to all of the time. Um, But with neurosomatic intelligence, what we do is we create new inputs. We create new positive inputs at the level of the nervous system. And because the nervous system is input output based, that creates new outputs. Now, you might be wondering what an output of the nervous system is. Like literally everything that we experience as human beings is an output of the nervous system, like our sense of hunger and our, you know, um, when something hurts, pain, headaches, dizzia, nausea, um, dizzy, dizzy dizziness, <laughs> nausea, I'm Following. um, insomnia, like anxiety, depression, like literally our nervous system is running our life. And if you're a human being, you have experienced trauma, uh, you may not remember your trauma. Even the act of being born, though, is a trauma for both the baby and the mother, however the baby is coming into the world. Even if it's the most peaceful, like, woo birth situation, it is still a trauma for that baby and that mother because it is just completely new experiences. And for the baby, it's, like, all of a sudden out of this, like, environment it's known for its entire life and just out into out into the world right so we all have trauma and the trauma is not the event that happened the trauma is not the birth it is the way that our nervous system responds to the energy after the event has happened and that trauma continues to live on inside of our nervous system until we are able to move that trauma through our bodies somehow or, help our nervous system create a newfound sense of safety and our brain is so smart because it learns from our nervous system our nervous system is constantly delivering data to our brain and over time the brain learns that the world is safe or it's not safe and when we've had a number of traumas and they can be big t traumas or little t traumas but when we've had a number of traumas that compile over time Our brain and our amygdala in the brain, which is the specific part of our brain that sort of like tells us if something is safe or not safe, or tells our body to like go into fight, flight, or freeze, it changes with time and repetition of traumatic experiences that are not resolved. And often we get into these patterns where we continue to make choices in our life too, that bring about more and more opportunity to experience and relive these traumas. And so what happens is our brain starts to believe that our world is not safe. And that creates all these different outputs in our nervous system, where our nervous system is now responding as if we are in a life and death emergency, even for like the little stresses that are happening in our day to day lives. And this can wreak havoc on our health, on our wellness, and obviously, on our fertility. If your body is feeling like it's not safe, the world is not a safe place to be, it is not thinking about doing the things it needs to do, like biologically, to create another vulnerability for you. Because having a pregnancy and having a newborn baby are, it's probably the most vulnerable time in a human being's life. So, For me, nervous system support has been everything because I, like any human, have trauma. I have experienced quite a few big T trauma events and also grew up in a very covertly abusive home. So there was like a lot of little T trauma stuff that I have had to unpack as well over the time. Um, And when I started practicing the neurosomatic stuff, That's when I started seeing like the really huge changes show up. Mindset is awesome. I'm a mindset coach just like you and I love mindset and it is so important to think in a certain way. But also, if we are not using preventative health strategies and healing strategies at the level of our nervous system, our subconscious mind cannot accept the new mindset path it cannot create the new neural pathway when it is busy trying to stay alive. So by practicing the neurosomatic intelligence, what we're doing is we're creating safety at the level of the nervous system so that our brains can better receive the new mindset and the new direction we're wanting to change in our in our life. At the level of the subconscious, because it's one thing to desire it consciously. It is another to rewire the subconscious energy and the beliefs and all of that, that is actually the root of the problem.
0: Wow. <clears throat> I have so many questions um, that are coming up for me because I think what, what, what you're saying is that is, is there's a block, basically at the subconscious level from all of these traumas, that this work is meant to unlock or release or take pressure off. So then when these new ideas or concepts come at you, you're able to accept them. Is that, am I, am I like saying that back correctly? Yeah.
1: Our nervous system is intelligent. Yeah. It is its own intelligence and it is like I, I broke it down to make it simple as an input-output-based system, which it is. That is a very simple concept. You put in an input, yes. and it puts out an output. Yes. But it's also so complex and so under-researched for most of humanity that it's actually just right now that scientists and doctors and researchers are are figuring out the intricacies of the role our nervous system plays in, in literally everything. And the more they find out about it, the more we realize it is the end all be all. And it, to me, the nervous system is where spirituality and science collide.
0: Hmm. I feel like when, when I put my fertility lens on this, I, I'm like, okay, like I've had small tea and b and big T traumas in my own personal journey with loss and late term loss. And I mean, you and I've talked offline so much about, about this and, um, this concept and I, and I, and I hesitate to say it out loud, I think, because I get like, I'm just being totally honest. Like I get anxiety thinking about this because I'm like, oh my gosh, am i blocking myself from getting pregnant is it that it seems like too easy of a concept in this world where like science is seems like the silver bullet and when the science starts to not work necessarily for your case um it feels like there's no way this could be that be it you know it feels like we've been in, in some way brainwash is too much of a harsh word. And I don't want to say that for people that are listening that are on their intervention journey, myself included in this. Um, But I walked into IVF, I walked into assisted, you know, fertility with this idea that it was going to work at the first time that like, I'm going to throw money at the problem. I'm going to go throw signs at the problem and it's going to work. And years and years and years go by and it's not working. And when you and I have met what you're kind of starting to say, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth because this is so not my wheelhouse, but is this idea that the traumas that have happened to me have like embedded themselves into my body. So there's almost this, like the idea of pregnancy subconsciously is almost blocked Because of how much anxiety and stress and fear and all of that, like from a subconscious level. When I hear myself say it though, from a conscious level, I'm like, that can't, no, I wanna get pregnant. I wanna get pregnant. So, what I think is happening or what you're saying to me is consciously you want it, but subconsciously there could potentially and likely because of the trauma that I've had, I'm blocking it because my nervous system is like on overdrive from the years and years and years I've put myself through these like traumatic positions. Am I kind of like, I, I'm trying to um put it in my own words, even from a place of like I I can feel like I'm getting hot talking about it. Does that make sense? Yes,
1: it does make sense. And that
0: is a nervous system response.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that you're feeling you're hot and sweaty. Yeah, it's like, showing oh that you're God. dysregulated. I just feel so I
0: feel I feel I just want to say like and I want to speak on behalf of probably a lot of listeners that are listening to this of like I think I get anxiety and resistance about talking about this because I feel like, no way. Like, I don't believe it.
1: I know. Now is a good time to do a neuro drill. Okay. That we can, I can talk you through it because if you're feeling dysregulated, there's probably someone else listening that's also like, I'm getting (laughs) Or some other symptom that's showing up because they're like, oh my God, it can't be just like you're saying. So um, you're going to rub your hands together like this. Okay. And you're going to create some friction and some heat. You're going to notice that in the palm of your hands. Yep. And as you pull your hands apart, you might even notice your hands are still tingling. The palms of your hands might still be tingling. Yep. And then you push that energy into your heart. Press your hands into your heart. And take a deep breath, but breathe into the back of your heart space. Imagine your breath going right in behind your heart. And then when you breathe out, breathe out as if you're breathing through a straw. Like purse your lips and... F- Try and make your breath, your exhale like cup like two or three times longer than your inhale. And then, do you notice a feeling that comes in? Like I notice kind of a melting feeling that sort of starts radiating out from my heart. Immediately, my nervous system starts to calm down.
0: Yeah, my um, like I'm just I, I like I just want to be so real because I think there's so many people on this, and I know you're so open to this kind of conversations of like. This feels really good when I do it, but I'm like, I'm never going to do it. Do you know, I get in this like phase of like, like, is it, I'm never going to, like, I get into, But um, but do you know why? No. Do you
1: understand why that is? No. So from a neurology standpoint, it's uncomfortable for you to feel like you have a regulated nervous system because you're conditioned to operate
0: in fight or flight. Oh my God. And that's really essentially emotional you saying this to me. Yes. That's how I feel.
1: Yes. And our brain it's okay. So like, again, when we understand what's going on, like mechanically inside of our body, it helps us get rid of the shame and all that shit from like, Oh my God, why am I holding on to this trauma? I'm blocking myself from pregnancy and blah, blah, blah. And all that self-directed blame. No, dude, you are living in a human body that has a user's manual that we don't have a copy of. (laughs) Most people do not have a clue how their brain and their nervous system works. It's not taught to people in a way that is in layman's terms that people can like understand. No one's gonna go pick up a medical journal and read that and understand it like if you're just in the fertility journey, right? But our brain is programmed to want everything to be a pattern. It wants to predict things And so that's what I'm saying is that your amygdala gets conditioned to be a certain way. And that is the new modus operandi. And in order to change it, it's repetition over time with these drills. And it's creating safety around feeling regulated because it is a threat to your brain. When all of a sudden your nervous system is like calm and cool and collected, if you're used to always being on edge and like waiting for the next thing and whatever, your brain's like, whoa, 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 this is too good to be true. There's probably a threat around the corner. Get your back up and be prepared and go feel your stress because that's how we live
0: our life. Yep. So especially in fertility, I think it's like we're bracing a lot of clients, a lot of conversations that I have, especially the onset of the work is like preparing for the worst. You know, I'm going to prepare for the worst. I'm going to put my back up. I'm going to like that idea of it because then it won't hurt as much. And I know logically also through the work we've done is that like that's never that doesn't work. So why would you put yourself in pain for a period of time when it would hurt even regardless? And I think what you're even saying is you're adding to that saying, well, consciously, I think you're saying consciously you're going to work to prepare, not prepare for the worst, but from a nervous system, what are you doing to bring that calmness down during those periods of time? And that's probably the missing like, piece on this a little bit. Well, we
1: we also need to understand that there's two different ways that our brain helps protect us from stress. So one is conscious suppression of stuff when you're like, I know this really bad thing happened. Or, you know, I know going to the fertility clinic is a trigger for me, but I'm going to choose to be happy and joyful today. And I'm going to repress that bad memory I have or that fear of the unknown that I have. And I'm going to just be in a good vibe. Okay. The negative energy does not go away when we do no. that. It no. just doesn't, it's not top of mind, but it's still a living, moving energy inside of our body. So that is conscious suppression. But what our brain also does, which we are completely unaware of, is repression. I'm, I'm re- on that, that side. Exactly. So this yeah. is when our brain is filtering stuff And it just goes, it doesn't even go into our conscious because the way our brain works, everything goes into the back part of our brain first, our old survival brain. And from that place, it's like our inner mechanics and our amygdala has a role in this as well that decides whether that information gets to go to our conscious mind, where we can actually know that we're thinking it, or whether it just goes right into the body. And with a lot of this stuff, it just, it's too much for our brain to feel safe consciously thinking about and so it goes right into and that and that is happening all the time for people even if you're not in a fertility process being a woman is unsafe okay you know if you're a person of color there is like there are so many things like going to work environment sometimes feels unsafe marriages can feel unsafe but we're in it and so we can't consciously unpack the concept of like making a change in one of those areas or sometimes it's systemic and we literally can't change it. Like, I I would love to just change patriarchy, culture and supremacy mm-hmm. and all this stuff. But like, it's not like that. It is systemic. So our brain learns that it's too much for us to be thinking about this shit all the time. And it gets into a habit of repressing that energy. So even if you're not aware of traumas or you know dysregulation in your nervous system we are all dysregulated and the other thing is that dysregulation it actually causes deficiencies in how the body works you can change your vision through neurodrills you can change your hearing through neurodrills like it's absolutely fascinating you can change the composition of your body like for me one of my bodies like safety things is to hold on to weight because when I was in my fittest most like beautiful you know what the magazines tell us we should look like era my body was not safe and predators were hurting my body so now I find it really challenging to release weight even though I've been working out with a personal trainer for like a year and a half there's been no change in my body and that's just showing like And even though I'm doing neuro drills, like it takes time. That's one of the big ones for my body. That may not be a thing for the next person's body. That might show up in a different way. Some people, for example, have a lot of anxiety, but if you ask them, they're like, oh, I'm not anxious. But their way their anxiety shows up is that they can't rest. They're like, house is immaculate all the time. They've got the fresh baked things. They're doing all this. It seems like they're like winning at life, right? Everything seems like it's totally in order. But that's actually how their anxiety is expressing itself, is that you have to be doing in order to be worthy and you gotta, be, can't sit around and do nothing or whatever, right? So sometimes these, these things, like I'm neurodiverse, I have ADHD, but for the most part, a lot of my ADHD traits have been like helping me succeed more than causing a disability for me. So I didn't even realize the disability part until very recently. Like, I've lived my whole life with this brain that operates totally differently, thinking that there was something wrong with me in times when I was struggling with the downside of the disability. I was internalizing that and being like, I'm a bad person. I I didn't do what I said I was going to do today or whatever, when actually that's just wiring of how my brain works. So when we can understand these things, and, and that's what I'm so passionate about is like, taking this really complex science that I've learned, because I'm a nerd. And so I do read the research papers. And I do attend like three hour long lectures to like talk about the brain. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But as someone who was a graphic designer for 15 years, one of my strengths is taking really complex information and like boiling it down and making it helpful and simple for people to like, get it like, easily. And that's what I want to be able to do with this. Because I really do believe that like, This is the missing link for fertility, because just like you're saying, the science, it's like, well, I'm going to the fertility and like the science is is science, like it's proven, it's going to work. So why is it then that some people do go in and they have an IUI or IVF and it works the first time? And then somebody else potentially with the exact same mechanical issues going on in the body does the exact same procedure and gets a totally different result.
0: Yeah, you know, so much of what you're saying like resonates with me. I, this isn't the first time like I've had this a bit of this conversation with other people. And, and, and I, I I usually talk about my own journey on here because it's better for me to do that versus like a broad like to make a broad statement on, on, on the community as a whole. But like I remember when I had lost my late term loss, Ruby, when I lost her and I went to see my acupuncturist at my first m- meeting with her. And I was like, I don't have a problem getting pregnant. Like I have no problems. I'm totally fertile. Like my issue is just, um, I've had this trauma. We've had this late term loss. I'm not getting pregnant as fast as I can. And she to this day is like, remember when you came in? Remember you came in? But I think what happened for me, and I'm not saying I, I'm not saying this is my full like, I I don't fully know obviously, but a conversation or a narrative that's been talked to me about before and by multiple healers and has been you know um i thought ivf was a silver bullet it wasn't for me and i started to create this idea that like it's hard for me to get pregnant and it's hard for me to do it and i'm not ever like it's not gonna work it's not gonna work and it and it it became my new lens and that's really when I found mindset because that was bringing me down so deep that like I was I was like I can't live like this anymore. And that's when mindset and this work and all of this stuff started to really resonate with me because it started to move me out of a victim and move me into this type of work. But what my point from what you were saying though is that I'm curious if I never went into science world and I stayed in my no, 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 I can get pregnant world like where I would be today. Who knows? I might be in the same place. Like we we will never know that. But I do remember the shift of my like internal dialogue from having a live child who's six now to like I, like, I remember not thinking this was a problem for me and then thinking it was. And I'm always curious if it was a barrier, if it's been a bit of a barrier for me.
1: Well, if you're curious about it, then there's a good chance that that is. That's your intuition helping you see what's going on under the surface. And, um, you know, what I want to say as well is that we have to understand that our nervous system is not um, separate, My nervous system is not separate from from your nervous system. Yes, it is each, we are each contained, our nervous system are each contained and unique to our own bodies, but the nervous system is a co-regulating system. This is why we can walk into a room and you can tell right away if someone's mad at you. Yeah. Or even if they're not mad at you, they've just had a bad day. You can Mm -hmm. like feel it, right? When someone's vibe is off. And Let's just talk for a second about the vibe of the fertility clinic that we are co-regulating to, because I can't speak for all fertility clinics. I am only speaking from my own lived experience at my own fertility clinics that I have experienced, but it is not a positive place to be, okay? You are co-regulating to every single person in the waiting room, every single nurse that has helped someone through a difficult part of their journey that day that is feeling the emotional impact of like not being able to help that person the way they had hoped to all that stuff that is unspoken that is under the service we are immediately co-regulating to at the level of our nervous system and combine that with the repetition of going to the clinic go into the clinic go into the clinic got to get your blood work done got to get your ultrasound got to get your shots you know whatever it starts to change our nervous system. And again, this is why it's so important to be doing neuro drills before you get into the clinic. I sit there and do them discreetly like while I'm sitting there because I don't want to take on everybody's energy. Hmm. Um, I also, you know, did neuro drills while I was having my procedures done because I have sexual trauma, which, you know, I don't like to be up with my feet in the stirrups. It's not, I don't know if anyone like
0: loves that feeling. Um, maybe. Well, I think I've, I've dissociated actually. Yeah. Um, like I, like I'm fully working. Like I'm, I don't have any emotional connection to any part of the like internal ultrasounds, anything like that. I'm just like, eh, in and out. Like that's my coping mechanism for sure.
1: Yeah, and like what I'm trying to say is that that is a coping mechanism that is associated with trauma. Yes, that is letting you know that the trauma is in the driver's seat in that moment, and that's what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. is that I have trauma. Like I was, I was literally sexually assaulted by a doctor while I was in stirrups. Okay, so like the um, level of trigger for me of going to the fertility clinic is like peak. So. But what I'm saying is that through the neurosystem practices, when I've had my recent ultrasounds and when I've had the fertility treatment done, I was able to be calm and present and ready and engaged in the experience. I was not dissociated like I once was. I used to just check out the moment I walked through the front doors of a doc, any doctor's office, dunzo, mentally just not in my body
0: at all. So this is so such an amazing conversation. I just want to like, say, this is so interesting to really push yourself to start to think about it like this, because majority of people in this journey, um, are in survival mode. Like that, that, like, that's where I, I like to intersect in the work that I do to say like, no, we need to learn to integrate this into your life so this isn't your life and i think what you're saying is and we need to figure out how from like a nervous system perspective you can it needs to match that type of work for like that ultimate okay i was gonna say ultimate survival through this but like in using survival in like a more like what weather word would you say like survival it's a lot
1: of people really want to have a baby because it feels like it's part of their purpose in their life experience like so it's it's not just survival it's like that's what I'm here to do if I'm not going to be a parent like what the fuck yeah like right it's it's something that is and and this is the interesting thing too is that a lot of this is subconscious and Like, Don't even get me started on the conversation about whether everyone is meant to have a a child or not, or whether we are programmed to believe that that's something we need to do.
0: I literally just got goosebumps. I can't. You know what? I would love to pick your brain on quickly. And then I'd also want to just hear about your own experience. Because what's really cool about this is you don't just study this. You have applied it in your own journey, which I think is really impactful. But um, the genetic side, so which I think is also part of your journey. Like moving through that idea that, you know, you're, um, I think people do a lot of donor and have resistance and donor on their, in their own. And I, myself included, like an egg donor, like letting go of my genetics and like, what is your opinion? Because I'm sure a lot of people, I think their, their nervous system goes, goes like on high alert when, when their doctors are you think about surrogacy, or you think about third party, basically, I feel like my nervous system goes from like, I know this journey in one way. And when that presented to me, I'm like, I can feel myself, like resistance, fear, nervousness, like, and so then I don't want to go into that path, because it almost feels like too, um, like my vibrations too high. And I don't know how to Is that, is that a calling that it's the wrong path? Like, I think I just want to throw that out to you about your thoughts in that realm. When something feels uncomfortable, it doesn't
1: necessarily mean that it's wrong. It means that it's different from what we, our brain has been patterned into thinking before. And it's uncomfortable. Like, I don't know. Do you remember? I don't know. When I was a kid, it was like uh, this big craze all of a sudden with toe socks, And like you put on socks that have like little like like gloves, like little pockets for each toe. And I was like, oh, I got to get me some toe socks. And like, those are so cool. And I remember looking everywhere for them and finally found a pair, was so excited. And then I put them on and I was like, what? (laughs) Like I could not handle, even though it was something I really wanted, the feeling of it felt so foreign and so bizarre. Like I could not handle them. And I was, it took a long time before I could manage wearing them for longer than five minutes is that a problem with the sock? No, that's just my brain was like, what is going on? This feels a lot different than what I normally wear. And I think it's like that with, um, you know, when we're looking at our mindset, and we're looking at our subconscious, and we're starting to like, unpack some of our trauma, we're not used to doing that. We're used to just operating and like numbing, like for my whole life, I've been a high achiever. One of my coping mechanisms was to suppress absolutely everything mask and just thrive on the surface. It looked like I was thriving underneath the surface. I was suffering. I was suicidal for a good chunk of my life. Um, so I guess, you know, and I, I guess sort of to circle back to your original question. My experience is so different from many people's because my decision to become a parent Happened at the end of of one of my relationships when I was approaching my 30s and I was like, okay, this relationship is not the one for me. I'm moving out of this relationship and I need to make some choices about what I want. I'm about to turn 30. It felt like kind of a new era, right? And I always imagined myself... Having kids, like, earlier on in my life, I always was, like, when I was a kid myself, I was, like, I'm going to be married by the time I'm 22 and I'll have kids when I'm 25 and, like, you know, all the conditioning messages that I had absorbed as a child. How could I have known what I really wanted? I That's just regurgitating what I was told I should want as a woman. Um, but anyhow, I found myself 30 and, like, ending a relationship and being, like, hmm, what do I want for my 30s? because so far in my 20s, it's been looking for the man that could be the person so that I can have the family. Like I Mm -hmm. really actually want the kids (laughs) more than the husband or the wife or whatever. I actually just really want children. And it was at that point that I decided if I want children more than I want a partner, why do I expect that trying to find a partner first is going to work for me? When as soon as I find the partner, my mind is immediately like, going to this place that is actually not appropriate in the first two weeks of a relationship, wondering, <laughs> this is like the partner that I'm going to raise my family with and like judging everything against that. That was my pattern. Mm. took me a long time to figure that out. And so I was like, fuck it. I actually have all the body parts to like make a baby. And I actually don't feel, like, I I was really scared to be pregnant, to be honest. I was really afraid of, like, being a single pregnant person. So I was like, but I would be really cool to adopt. Like, I'd be really open to adoption. So I started, and it was like a three-year process, jumping through all the hoops and you know, I was matched with birth moms and stuff like that over that time. And, you know, plans changed. And as they do, it's also not a linear process, just like fertility. It's not like, oh, me up for a baby and you're taking one home in a few months kind of situation. So that was its own roller coaster that i would already gone through. And for me, um, I just drop a little trigger warning here about S.A., Um, For me, what happened was uh, I was sleeping and somebody um, I was sleeping with uh, had sex with me while I was asleep, And that is how my baby was conceived. It was not consensual. Uh, Obviously, after that happened, the relationship itself was very much on the rocks. And then I found out I was pregnant. And... um, What was really interesting about it was that a few weeks into the pregnancy, you know, we get the midwife and you set up for the first ultrasound and we go to the first ultrasound and the first ultrasound, they told me that the fetus was not viable. They're like, this is not a viable embryo. You're going to be having a miscarriage in the next few weeks. And I was devastated, even though, even though that pregnancy had totally destroyed my adoption plan, I was still in the adoption plan at the time. I had actually put myself on the waiting list at the fertility clinic because the adoptions had fallen through so many times. I was like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Maybe I should look at donor sperm. Who knows? Um, that was one of the reasons why I wasn't having sex with this person because I was saying to them, like, I'm ab- I'm not on birth control. I'm about to start this other journey. Like, we can hang out and have fun, but like, this is the boundary. Um, so it was really interesting because when I found out that I was going to lose the baby, all of a sudden. I was like, no. And I just like at <laughs> a moment. I went down to the ocean. I've told you this before. I it but I like started yelling at the universe that like this is not happening and I'm having this baby no matter what. And blah 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 blah. And I just like was so emotionally invested in this outcome. And I went home and kind of a couple weeks passed and I still hadn't had a miscarriage. So they sent me back to have another ultrasound. And they're like, huh. I don't know. It seems fine now. The embryo is fine. We need to adjust your due date because the embryo is now two weeks later than what it should be based on your cycle.
0: But I guess it would <clears> be <throat> fetus. The fetus.
1: Whatever. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It was like
0: eight yeah. weeks. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Whatever crazy. it is that that crazy. little.
1: Yeah. Tiny little sea monkey in there. Yeah. All of a sudden was like thriving again. And I was like, huh. Okay, so that baby ended up being born on the due date that they changed it to that that session, um, and then you know obviously not a great situation with co-parenting there. Um, so when I decided to have a second baby, it was like for sure going to be a sperm donor. I was like, I can't risk like there's been a whole bunch of other traumas related to co-parenting that I'm not going to get into, but it's been a journey and anyone who's co-parented with, um, somebody who has mental health issues they're not willing to address can attest to this. (laughs) Um, it's been a journey and an expensive one dealing with all that. So I, um, wanted to have another baby still. And of course it was like sperm donor. So there was no resistance for me in choosing a sperm donor. Um, I narrowed it down to a few and actually chose based on the sound of their voice. And like, they had like voice messages that they had embedded in their profiles. So I was able to like hear their energy. And when this one person was talking, I just started bawling my eyes out and was like, this is the one I'm choosing this one. So I chose them. I was only able to get three vials in Canada um, because it was an American donor and Canada only had three vials of it. And they told me to buy six but I can only get three. So I bought the three and was like, well, it's going to be three strikes and you're out if you're not the right donor. So again, like the emotional attachment to that side was like, well, I believe it's going to be this person, but like there's plenty other donors to choose from. So I did. Uh, the first time I for sure thought I was pregnant um, and something happened. I don't. I never got a pregnancy positive test on that one. Something happened though. My period was like a few days late. So, and it was like really painful compared to a normal period for me. So there was something going on, I think in there that time, the second time, nothing, it was just like a normal period. I had tried an IUI with a trigger shot the second time thinking maybe we just missed the timing. I'll do a trigger Mm -hmm. shot this time. Third time I was really depleted and just kind of in surrender mode and was like, look, either this thing's going to work or like, I'm taking a break from fertility for a bit and we're going to like go to Disneyland or something. And of course that was the time that worked when I was in full surrender and like not anxiously trying to like force it into happening was just like, Hey, I'm here to receive ready for it. And if not like moving on.
0: Hi friends. Emily here, interrupting this episode to talk to you about something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the Day One membership. I created the Day One membership two years ago and have spent months and months updating the offering to make something super special for you. If you haven't heard about the Day One membership, let me give you a quick overview. The Day One membership is anything but a fertility support group. The idea behind being a member is, of course, connecting with those who truly get this journey, but also being exposed to coaching to help you shift your mindset. We do so much in terms of body optimization, but we need to also invest in how we think, perceive, and experience the journey so we can have the resiliency to take it on. The day one membership has two groups, a primary group and a secondary fertility group. We have weekly coaching calls where you have the opportunity for hot seat coaching. You have access to our private online community and a portal where you can find unique resources. And we have some of the top experts jump inside for intimate AMAs. And at the end of the month, we open our sessions up to all partners to ensure they have a place and community to connect with. Feel free to email me at Emily at Day One Fertility or go to www.dayonefertility.com slash membership to sign up.
1: You know, and so anyways, then I had my second baby who, by the way, also manifested a 30-minute home birth with her, even though I had been told by the midwife and the OB that I was not allowed to give birth at home. Um, This baby didn't give a rip about those opinions and just came so fast there was no time to get to the hospital. So that was also really cool. Because again, I, I, I only bring this up because the energy so my first birth with my first baby was like, mega traumatic, real bad. And then, so the second one, I was joking, knowing that I had had this two-day horrific experience trying to deliver my first baby. I was like, well, after all of that, second one's going to come in like an hour at home. It's like, I mean, like the universe owes me like a nice, easy situation. I am not doing that again. So we're going to just do, and I knew it was not likely given my history. So I thought it was funny to just joke about it all the time. And it's the energy of being re- repetitively saying something, but not being attached to it, and just saying it in like with joyful enthusiasm and like, wouldn't that be cool? That is the energy of manifestation. But the problem is when we are dealing with the fertility clinic, and you you know have to deal, jump through all these damn hoops and deal with the the like energy. It's not the people. Like I do believe there are good people who are in there trying to get pregnant and there's good people in there trying to help facilitate this happening. But there is, there's this trauma being exchanged from everyone. And so it kills the vibration at which we're taking the action. And as we know from like Bob Proctor's stick person, if you teach this in your mindset, it's not about how consciously we want something. It is about whether we are subconsciously able to receive it and doing the neuro drills creates the frequency at which you can accept the goal. If you're not working with the nervous system, you can tell it all you want, but it's not going to receive it and change that paradigm easily because the nervous system believes that that's not a safe choice for you and your brain's number one job is to keep you alive. And so far, not being pregnant is working 100% of the time because you are all alive listening to this podcast right now. So your brain is like, Oh, no, this is working. Like, why would I take on that risk? Because like what I'm doing right now is working. So the way to change the way your brain is, is making decisions is to change the data the brain is receiving from the nervous system. When we change the inputs at the nervous system, it changes the outputs that are being delivered to our brain. And, the, and the, when the brain has new data, it makes new functions happen in the body and it creates different experiences.
0: I was just going to say, because I get this question asked a lot, which is like, well, how do I say something I don't believe? You know, how do I, you're talking about being able to, and I've been there before in my my journey as well, of like this true surrender and true just like, it is out of my control. I'm going to do what I can, but like this is sort of, I like to use the analogy like passing the baton. You know, like I've done my work and now I've passed it off and like I'm I'm going to run through it. But the idea of like you were saying, you know, change the data, right? How do you change the data if you don't believe in that? You know, that I think is the hardest piece is like it's working. It's working. I'm surviving. I'm alive. Well, now to change it, I have how do you get to that? That's a question I get often. So when we're doing a neuro drill, like we did earlier in that moment,
1: we're creating safety in the nervous system. When the nervous system feels safe, it can receive those new ideas. Got it. It's what you're available for. So you, you sandwich the new thought Between two neuro drills, because the Mm. thought is dysregulating, because that's creating a change. And your nervous system is like, I fucking am at capacity, I cannot handle another thing on my plate. No, thank you. Yeah, because it's still busy processing all this other trauma and systemic problems and like, whatever that we're not thinking about. So we're thinking that like, oh, no, it's just fertility on my mind. Sure. But your nervous system's doing all the other stuff. And we need to regulate at that level first so that it can, t- so there's this concept called a threat bucket. So this might help you to understand. I wish I had a glass of water to like demonstrate this. I'll make a reel about it maybe later if people can find it on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you imagine like a glass of water or a bucket of water and about like halfway up the bucket of water the class there's like a little valve like an out kind of like your bathtub so that your bathtub can't overflow and be splashing all over the floor once it gets to a certain level it starts draining itself okay so this is like what our nervous system is like there's this window of tolerance this threat bucket in there and most of us right now especially after the last 3 years are operating at peak Peak levels, it is, we cannot take another drop in the bucket. Every time something else comes in, something has to come out of the bucket so that it doesn't overflow. Because I forgot to mention, if the bucket completely were to overflow, like if your bathtub were to completely overflow, cause a huge flooding problem in your house. That's a big fucking problem to deal with. You don't want that. So we all install the drain. And mechanically inside the body, again, if our nervous system was completely flooded, like we would die. So there is this, Output thing that happens when we get to a certain capacity, one of the outputs is infertility. One of the outputs is anxiety, depression, insomnia, like literally any shitty thing that's happening in your body, <laughs> I could tell you, is an output from the nervous system, like cancers, autoimmune diseases, eczema, like literally everything that is going on is is happening as a result of imbalance inside of our nervous system. It,
0: it, so you're saying almost like it's a symptom.
1: The, yes. The, the issue, this, the fertility, infertility is a symptom of something else going on that is the root of the problem. And so like I use a flashlight, for example, and I talk about um, how the nervous system is like a flashlight. It's like you change the input, you press the button, and the light turns on, you press the button again, and the light turns off. So if you imagine when the light's on, that's like, oh, I'm at max capacity, it's too much, it's an alarm bell situation. And we're operating with our light on. And then the medical community comes along and puts like, medicine, say it's like painkillers, to reduce the Amount of light that is coming through the flashlight. Like if I were to put a cloth in front of a flashlight, it's going to change how much light is coming through, but it does not change the fact that the light is on. Hmm. What we're doing with neurodrills is like we're ch- we're hitting that switch to turn the light off, <laughs> instead of trying to numb the problem hmm. or fix it or mask it or whatever with something else. Most of the medical community is trained to deal with the output. We react to the output, but instead we want to proactively change the inputs and then the outputs take care of themselves.
0: Yeah. I think what you're saying, it's like, this is like a different way to look at it or or different coming to my mind is, is, is almost like therapy, right? It's like when you have issues with all these people in your life and it becomes a pattern, it's you, like you have to go inward to figure out what's going on with you that's having all of these reactions to everything else in your life changing you first then that will then have a ripple effect on how you have relationships and how you experience it it's almost saying the same thing but from like an actual body perspective yeah
1: yeah yeah we're all here as spiritual beings trying to experience ourselves And sometimes I think things don't work out the way we planned because there's a bigger plan. Mm -hmm. Like for my experience, if I had gotten pregnant the first time I had tried with Micah in my fertility um, treatments or the second time, I didn't have a crystal ball at that time to know what the summer of 2019, well, basically what the whole first half of 2019 was going to serve up for me. I was dealing with a battle that I had no idea even existed yet. I was in no place to be having a baby and it would have seriously compromised the safety of my other child if my baby had come a month or two early. There is no way I could have known that at the time. I was just grieving the fact that it didn't happen. I didn't understand that there might be a timing thing at play.
0: And then in hindsight, it's like, right. Okay. Well, I was just going to say too, it's like, I mean, hindsight, you can only see when you're there. Like you can only connect the dots when you have dots to connect. Um but but just asking a question from the like um what's 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 the word for people that don't believe like the skeptics or the skeptics, devil's advocates. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that are listening right now. Um you know, there are people that have done this journey that have like been in survival mode, they've been in fight or flight, they've done all of their things, and then it works. Mm-hmm. They haven't changed anything. They've just Kept on their path. Well, that's not actually true
1: because the nervous system is always changing. The nervous system is different now than it was when we started this conversation. The nervous system changed again when we did the neuro drill. So, like, we never know what frequency we're in in any given moment. Hmm. And it doesn't mean that we can't experience, like, pregnant. like look at how my first baby was conceived. Yeah. True trauma.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, th- so what. Again, not coming from me, just coming from people listening. I always like to be like, "What do you think people would ask if they were me?" But it's like, so then the question becomes, "Why do it?" Like, and I guess the response is because it could be a it is and could be a barrier to what you're going through right now.
1: Let me tell you why to do it. So this isn't. I've 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 shared my first two pregnancies with you, and then now I'm going to share my third pregnancy. So, um you know, I had bought, it was like a whole thing to manifest two more vials of sperm from the same donor that I had used previously, took about a year to actually just get the sperm. Then, um, I just had an intuitive hit, like in September, I was like, it's time. Like I, they'd been sitting on ice for almost a year. It's been a bit of a rocky 2023 for me, um, for a lot of us, I think. Um, And it just didn't feel like the right time to use it. So it was, like, just there, and I was, like, I'm not ready to do this yet. And then all of a sudden I was, like, oh, I think I'm ready. I think it's happening. Like, I think I'm going to do it, like, this cycle. Like, I literally decided on, like, a Monday or a Tuesday and then had, like, the IUI on the Saturday. And I was using the neurodrills even through the decision-making process of, like, am I doing this this cycle? Am I rushing into it? Am I – you know, I was planning because I only had these two, my my other two children were conceived through natural IUI without any super ovulation or any of that stuff. But because I only had two vials and because I'm also 40 years old now, I thought, you know, it might be a good idea to think about doing super ovulation just to like bump up the number of eggs and bump up the chances of having a viable egg so that, um, you know, I have a healthy pregnancy and all that stuff and a healthy baby at the end. But I had missed the window to do the super ovulation because I had already had my period. And so I said to her on the phone, the nurse, I was like, you know, what if it was easy? Like, maybe I'll just try a natural cycle. Like, my other two babies were conceived that way. Why am I assuming that it won't work this time? So I went in. I did the neuro drills before. I did them during. I got back in my car and the song playing on the radio is Ace of Bass. When do you hear Ace of Base on the radio? I love
0: Ace of Base. All that
1: you want is another baby. (laughs) What? That's the song? Like right after this, like this is for sure working, right? So I'm feeling so good about it, you know, whatever. And then sure enough, positive pregnancy test on the first try, right? And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. This is the only thing different that I've done. And like now my body is ready to receive the very first time. That's, that's amazing. So feeling great about it, feeling great about it, go have my first ultrasound and I'm sitting in the room. So this is what I'm talking about in terms of like the co-regulation that happens in the waiting room. So I'm sitting there in the waiting room and everything's happy and jovial. And there's like another couple, like a girl with her mom and another couple together there. And I'm just there by myself and everyone's like happy-go-lucky. And the other person had their, they had their turn first. So they go in and they have their ultrasound and I see the first person come out and she's like pretty stone faced. But as soon as she walked out into the hallway, I heard her just like fall apart and was like, oh God, that was not a good ultrasound. Okay. So then the second person goes and they come out and they're like bawling their eyes out before they even walk through the waiting room. And I'm like, oh Jesus, two in a row. Okay. So now it's my turn. So I walk in and I say to the doctor, before I even get into the room, I'm like, listen, I saw the faces on those last two that just came out of here. This right here is going to be a good ultrasound. Okay. This is going to be a happy and joyful time where we're going to just see how much my baby is thriving. Okay. And he's like, yeah, cool. I love your vibe. So I get in there I sit down. He's like, does a topical Uh, ultrasound. And I see him, hear him go, hmm. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm not seeing an embryo. I'm not seeing a yolk sac in there or an embryo. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm for sure pregnant. I just did another pregnancy test this morning. Like, what? you know i'm like and then i'm also said you know what this happened to my first pregnancy too like there was something weird and they thought well this isn't a viable pregnancy and then 2 weeks later it was like completely fine right so i leave kind of just like kind of rejecting what he said and just sort of like oh, this can't be right and then i go and he's like we'll just go do your blood work and let's just see what your levels are at so i go and do my blood work and they're still like in the range of what they should be for that week so i'm like okay then i go do another blood work on the monday And my blood work on the Friday had been like 7,000 something. And then I go back on the Monday and it's like 8,000 something. And by this point, it's supposed to be like doubling, you know? And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So a couple of things. We have to understand that, yeah, the process is not linear. Even with nervous system regulation, it doesn't mean that it's just a cure all, like, oh, just go in and just get it done the first time. And like, there's nothing that can go wrong with a regulated nervous system. No, but it's how we handle those moments. So I walked out of that clinic and I was like composed and was just like confused and like processing what had happened. But I wasn't in like a full-blown trauma response like I was after the first, when I had my first pregnancy and had the ultrasound, I was a a mess. Like I was, I was, I was actually suicidal after that happened. I was, I like could not handle it. And I was like, now I have a baby inside of me and it's not even having a miscarriage the right way. My body's not even doing that properly. And now I'm going to have to have more medical interventions. And I just can't handle this. And I like, I just lost it. Right. Whereas this time I was like, what? no way. And then like, as time went on, I was like, okay, like, I guess this is happening. And I slowly started accepting it. And then of course the fertility clinic, their number one goal is to like manage what's going on in your uterus. That is their role. But what happens is it feels like sometimes, um, how do I say this tactfully? Because I do love the people that work in fertility. But what I find is because their training and their focus is entirely on the uterus and, and also like managing their liabilities too as medical professionals. Sometimes the advice that they were giving me might've been a good idea for the uterus, but was not good for my mental health. For example, even when I thought I was having a healthy pregnancy, they were like, Every single week, you're going to come in for an ultrasound up until you're 10 weeks. And I was like, well, why? (laughs) I've had two other babies and like I had a 10 week ultrasound and then another one at 20 weeks. Why do we need one every week? And they're like, well, you know, some people just like to have that reassurance. And I'm like, okay, I can, I get that as someone like if you had had a lot of trauma and you just like want to check to see your baby is still in there and everything's good week to week, that's cool. But like, the way they were saying it was like, well, that's policy and that's what you need to do. And I was like, but I don't want to. Because for me, the drain of making sure I have childcare and then driving 45 minutes to the clinic and then sitting in the waiting room for sometimes up to a half an hour and then driving all the way home has more cost to my well being holistically than it does benefit. There's nothing that's going to change by you having a look inside my uterus, nothing is going to change. Inside of my ut- like, so, of course, once I had this, like, pretty negative ultrasound experience, they were like, okay, you need to go back the following week. So it was like, the first one had happened on a Friday, and they were telling me to go back the next Thursday. And I was like, no, and they're like, pardon? And I'm like, no, I am not gonna go and do another ultrasound. And they're like, why? Well, we need to make sure and like, there's all these things that can happen. And like, what if it's ectopic? And what if it's this? And you can have, you know, a fallopian tomb blow up and like all this stuff on the phone. And I was like, because of the nervous system regulation, navigating that experience, I was able to say, okay, but we have a visual of what's going on inside of my uterus. The gestational sac is inside of my uterus. So I don't think there is anything else inside of my fallopian tube because if I had two babies growing, my HCG levels would be a lot higher than they were. So it's probably just the one gestational sac and we can see that it's in my uterus lining. So help me understand, is there another reason why I should be going to have an ultrasound? They're like, well, it's just our policy and it's just, we need to make sure that your body's gonna like release the pregnancy and because it can become toxic if it doesn't release. And I'm like, okay, but like, you know, we're eight weeks into the pregnancy, it's taken eight weeks to get to this point where we found out this is not a viable embryo. Why is it all of a sudden an emergency within days after having that information that, you know, I need to be having a miscarriage, like right now, or we have a problem? Like, I said, I trust my body. I trust my body. I've had two other babies, I never had an issue with either one of them with hemorrhaging or like the placenta not detaching and taking care of itself like my uterus knows what to do. So what that allowed me to do was to be taking care of myself, to use the very limited capacity that I had to look after my kids cuz meanwhile I'm still a single mom and I'm still over here doing daycare drop-offs and pickups and it was my daughter's birthday while I was having a miscarriage and it was a freaking pool party, you guys. Um so, I'm making cupcakes, I'm taking my daughter to dance class. And meanwhile, uh, like the contractions of the miscarriage was also a huge surprise to me because I obviously was like, well, it's not going to be as big of a baby. So, like, it should be pretty, it'd probably be more painful than a period, but should be pretty straightforward to like go through this miscarriage. And wow. I guess, again, nervous system cu- plays into this because the nervous system has learned through having two other babies, like, oh, this is how you get an eight pound baby to move through the body. Okay, cool. We've got another thing that needs to move through the uterus. Let's time. And it was like, totally comparable to um, the experience I had having like pretty massive contractions right before a like 30 minute home birth. Um so that was a shock because again, like when I was actually having a the baby, there's like a care team here helping me with that. And I wasn't having to look after my kids at the same time. Whereas this time, like my kids are downstairs watching a Disney movie and I'm upstairs in the bathtub, like trying not to like be audible while having like intense contractions and then being like, okay, I need to get out of the bath because like I need to put the kids to bed. So I just have to like go deal with that, you know, and then come back like I don't know how I would have been able to cope with all of that if I didn't have the, I don't even think I could have this conversation so soon. Like I just stopped bleeding within the last week. This is fresh. The nervous system stuff. What I'm saying is it is essential regardless of the results because it is such a huge support. It has been such a huge support in me navigating this loss um, and this obviously could have been a traumatic experience. Like, for also, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know how graphic you get on this podcast, but I oh, was like, go there. <laughs> <laughs> what? At what came out of me, and then I was like, yeah. well, I guess you know, nine weeks by the time you know it came through.
0: Yeah, it's, so I'm like, that's it's You are passing something. It is. It is really. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I didn't know, like, we didn't talk offline about how your pregnancy was going. I only knew you were pregnant from the IUI. And part of me was like, she's going to tell me that, you know, she came back two weeks and it was there and it was good to go. And although obviously that would have been unbelievable and what, what I would have preferred, it. She- I think it really shares the point of like, it's the journey. It's the day to day. It's the management piece of this. It's not the magic wand of the outcome. Um, And so I feel like you've touched on all sides of the power of nervous system work, both from what you do professionally, but how it's impacted you personally, because I think it's, like you've gotten pregnant and you've had babies because of the work and you've moved through loss because of the work. Like it's, it's a full picture of, um, of getting your nervous system to be basically befriending it through all of these different things. And I'm just like my, my heart and my soul and everything is just so Sending you so much love and so much gratitude, and that you're able to even share this um, and paint this picture for this community—it's—it's it's a gift. I—I I always say it's such a gift. Thank you. Yeah, it
1: is. Um, it is. The nervous system regulation is the only thing that has been able to help me make that not that that, not that this is something I would choose to like experience again, it was not a comfortable experience. Obviously, it was painful as hell, emotionally and physically, it was really freaking painful to deal with. Um, Also, I had not told my kids yet I was pregnant. So they didn't know they didn't understand why I was such a train wreck. And so they're dysregulated because I'm dysregulated. So their behavior is like crazy. So then I'm like extra with the parenting front because I, and I have less capacity to cope with it. So in the end, I did end up telling my kids what had happened. And that was also like a conversation that I use nervous system regulation for because I didn't want to cause a trauma for them. Like this is their sibling, you know, this is a sad thing for the whole family. They just didn't know what was going on. So I couldn't tell them when I was in the thick of my own feelings and being able to process it and still show them, like, I'm sad that this happened, but I'm not like, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, like so distraught that, like, it's traumatizing for them to hear it. Um, and I also want to share that, um, so, like, even though this experience was painful and I don't want to do it again, it wasn't a trauma for me. And it was really interesting for me too, watching because we were supposed to do this recording like the Monday following that ultrasound. And I remember finishing that ultrasound being like, holy fuck, now I got to go on a podcast and like talk about this. And I'm in this limbo period and I don't even know what's going on. And then you're like, hey, I'm so sorry, I got to bump it another week. And then I got to bump it another week. And I was like, well, you know, I guess this is the conversation that was meant to happen. Right. And so. Again, like, and, and then also the nervous system stuff helped me get to a place where I wasn't like, oh my God, I've got old eggs now and I can't have a baby and blah, 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 all the like rabbit holing that can happen after a miscarriage when we're wondering if it's like something wrong with me or whatever. I was like, I'm truly at a place where I'm like, well, you know, that baby and, and who's to even say it's my eggs. It could have been some faulty ass sperm that went in there. Like, I'm not just going to blame my eggs. 100%. Right? We don't know. It could be a lot of things. So, you know, I know that there was not something genetically viable. And I'm actually grateful because I have friends that have kids that have genetic deficiencies. And it's really a lot of suffering for that child and for the whole family. So I'm like, thank you, body. Like, This was not the divine timing or this was not the right chemistry to like bring through what I'm calling through. But I do like my goal has not changed. My vision has not changed. I still want the same thing and the universe knows that and it's going to lead me there at the right time.
0: Wow. This conversation has just been... So, like, I don't know if I have words for it, but it really, it's opened me up. I think that um, it's a really important and impactful conversation to have around nervous system work because truly that is so impacted by this journey. I am just so truly, truly, truly honored to have you on and on during this time and what you've gone through and how fresh this is. I hope you'll come back and you can, you know, share, share where and how and, and the work you've done to continue to build your family. I want to ask you a question I ask all of the guests um, that come onto the podcast, which is, what advice would you give someone starting day one of their fertility journey?
1: Um, trust the process. You know, we as human beings think we need to control things and control is actually also a output from the nervous system the Mm -hmm. need to control comes from a felt sense of not feeling safe so i need to control what's going on and that is not the energy of creation think about Mm -hmm. an artist a lot of artists when they sit down at a blank cabins they don't actually even know what they're going to create they say oh i just let the paint show me you know especially people that do abstract art you know um It's kind of like that in life. And if we're willing to show up and just like take the action and do it with a sense of love and just harvest the gold that is in all experiences, because again, like I don't, like I say, I don't want to go through that experience again, but it was like, it's really beautiful when I look back at it. I'm like, you know what? My body did what it needed to do. I'm so proud of myself that my body I didn't, I don't need a DNC. And i not to say that if you need a DNC, you shouldn't be proud of yourself. But I just, that's something that I was not feeling good at. Like, during the month of my daughter's birthday and Christmas two weeks later, I was like, how am I even logistically going to pull this off if I need to have a surgery right now? Like, I don't even know. So like, I used these tools to help um, support my body in what it needed to do. And it's, I made the choice to keep the placenta, and I uh, went on a little pilgrimage into the forest behind my house, and I planted this um, little cedar tree that has been uh, sent. My daughter brought it home in kindergarten. It was like this tiny little thing, oh, and now you, she's you in,
0: buried the fetus. That's i so... buried
1: it under this yeah. tree, so now I can go and visit. Yeah, you know, whenever I want, and and so that gets to be part of the journey. It yes. doesn't have to be. Remembered as a trauma, it can be remembered as an experience that brought our family closer towards our goal, yeah,
0: I, I I like to look at all of my losses as stepping stones. You know, it's like they um were only moving me forward. Like they had to happen for me to keep moving forward. and it gives it purpose and it gives it momentum. It doesn't give it like I'm moving back. I'm going backwards because I had a loss. No. it's like, You know, this is the stone that you had to step to to get to the next stone. So um, I think that's just so beautiful.
1: Well, and what story is it going to be each time I walk past the tree? Am I going to choose to be like that's the time I lost the baby? Yeah. Or am I going to be like that's the time I got pregnant on the first try? Yeah, yeah. And my body did exactly what it was supposed to do with that chemistry. I love that. I'm proud of myself. Like it's it's of you. It's the story we assign to this experience
0: that's going to define
1: how the experience is for us.
0: Yes. It's like someone, I had a podcast guest come on that was like, we are mean, make, mean maker machines. Like we love making things mean something and we have a choice on what we want it to mean. And either that meaning is serving us and bringing better energy to us and telling like lifting us up or it's not. And we sort of are the um, conductor on those stories for our lives. Right. And like, look, I know we're at time, but I
1: have to say like people, um, think sometimes I think they're misguided in thinking that all that matters is the result. I want the baby, or if it's a business success, maybe not even related, I want a hundred thousand dollar business or a hundred thousand dollars a month, whatever your goal is. Um, the goal doesn't actually feel the way you want it to feel if the whole process of getting there felt like shit. What happens is you have the baby and you're still in survival mode and you're still freaking out. That was what happened when I had my first baby. My first baby's crying all the time. I was in trauma the entire pregnancy, a traumatic birth, then a traumatic first year of the baby who wouldn't sleep and blah, blah, blah. It continues. So like, even if you're pregnant right now, listening to this do the neuro drills contact me let's work together I want to put some resources in your community because we need this at every single step of the process it's not about just getting to the place where you have the baby that's actually where the nervous system work begins
0: yeah you know what that's one of my favorite points is like the journey matters the journey matters where can people find you and how can people work with you
1: yeah, so I'm on TikTok at cjsmith.ca and also on Instagram with the same handle and that's also my website cjsmith.ca. Um so I do one-on-ones, I have group coaching programs. Um I also have written two books. So there's a really awesome um book called Radical Reflection that is like a coloring, it's like a creative mindset journal so you're like expressing your feelings through color and pattern and texture. Because sometimes with these really deep experience, like if somebody asked me to write a journal entry about how I feel about the miscarriage I had last week, I couldn't get past the first sentence. But I tell you what, I could take a crayon and I could scribble all over one of my books. And that is how I feel about it. You know? Yeah. But it's like, whoa, that was a lot of energy.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's true. It's like we... there needs to be different ways in which we can channel um, th- different experiences based off everything that we've been going through. So thank you so much. This was really uh, such a um, complex conversation in like the best way possible. Like it was really like, we want to talk about fertility from a holistic point of view. Like we've really done that in today's conversation. And so I just wanted to say, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know everyone listening to this is thanking you as well. And I will put in the show notes, how to find you. And I know we will continue to have you come and and share, like you said, some resources inside day one. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hi friends, Emily here. I want to thank you for being part of this community. The reach day one has had since day one has been incredible. And that is literally because you watch, rate, review, and subscribe. I feel extremely grateful to have the opportunity to interview incredible experts, brave storytellers, and also use this as an opportunity for me to shed light on my own personal journey. This is just the beginning of day one. We have big, big plans to scale, diversify the guest selection, provide unique support offerings, and that is enabled by you. So if you enjoy this show, I have one simple ask of you, and that is to hit the follow button and continue to rate and review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you for bringing more awareness to the fertility experience by listening.